Here's the 0-2 pitch. Got him swinging. Shawaran pumping his fist and showing the emotion. Galgan kicks and deals, and it's a line drive to short. Leaping grab by Kevin Smith. That one is hit well, deep to center, backing up his wave near the warning track at the wall. He makes the grab! Swung on and missed, he got him, and the Terps win! The Illini 27 winning streak comes to a close, and the Terps move on to the next round. The 2-2, curveball, strike three! The Terps have done it again! This time it's on the West Coast! The number one team in the tournament goes down as the Terps have ditched the gloves and they're dogpiling on the mound. Good evening and welcome to the 12th edition of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Jake Eisenberg, as always, joined by Matt Present. We'll bring you all the action from this past weekend. We'll take a look at the week ahead, the opening weekend of conference play. And this is a very special edition of the podcast. The weekend rotation joins us. Mike Schwarren, Taylor Bloom, and Brian Schaefer all on the podcast at the same time. So we have a nice little interview with the trio of right-handers coming out of the Maryland pitching staff. So we'll start off with this past week. The Terps played four games, went two and two, a loss to UC Irvine, and then a triumphant series victory over Cal State Fullerton. And Matt, it was a pretty good week out on the West Coast. Yeah, anytime you can take two or three from a, a team that's ranked, a team across the nation that is in the College World Series or at least the postseason uh, year in and year out, you're you're doing something right. But I think, you know, not to harp on the negative, the Terps tomorrow still looking for their first midweek win, and that's something that they, again, were not able to get done uh, in their first game out west. And that'll, that'll loom large for Maryland tomorrow. Taylor Stiles will be the pitcher, and we'll preview – that matchup later in the podcast. I was I was lucky enough to be out there on the West Coast with the team, and let me tell you, Matt, we had a great time out there. I went out there a couple days early. I met up with my family in uh, Southern California. It was my 21st birthday last week, so we did a little bit of wine tasting, a hot air balloon ride. It was it was a nice little uh, respite from the baseball broadcasting, and then you know we got things started against Irvine on Wednesday. Well, it was spring break, and you deserve it. I deserve it. Everyone here deserves a little, a little time away from the game, and uh, I'm sure the players, you know, even though they were out there playing, enjoyed the warm weather and the trip out west as well. Well, I know you went on a cruise yourself. Where where did you go? So we went to the Bahamas was the main destination, but we stopped at uh, Cape Canaveral in Florida on the way down and Key West on the way back. And i got to say, probably my favorite vacation ever. It was It was a lot of fun. I don't suppose you had a chance to catch any of the broadcasts. Uh, I caught a little of Matt Noble while we were uh, supposed to be doing our safety check on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> uh, but th- but that was about it. I I got a little, I, I got a, I got some nice time just to check out and turn off the phone and just get away from everything, which you, you know it's just something that feels good to do every once in a while. And this is a good time as any to thank Matt Noble, the PA announcer for Terps baseball and radio announcer for women's basketball for coming in and filling in for us for a couple of games against Bryant. And thanks to John Vitas, our founder as well, for stopping by the booth on his way down to Myrtle Beach where he'll be broadcasting for the Pelicans this summer. So thanks to them for allowing us to have our little break. But now let's let's go straight into the action. Wednesday, another midweek loss for the Terps. This one 
a 9-5 to loss, and things not so great on the scoreboard. Two errors in that game. It extended their streak, and things continue to look shaky in, in the midweek games as we've talked about the past couple of weeks, Matt. Yeah, and the Terps still trying to figure out who that midweek starter is going to be. As you mentioned, Taylor Styles starting again tomorrow. Got the start in this one. You know, six runs, but two of them were earned. So four uh, as a result of those errors that you mentioned. But at the same time, he went just four and two-thirds innings. And that's been something that he, that Taylor Styles has kind of, you know, it's it's been tough on him to get through a lineup for the third or fourth time. You know, he's pretty good in his first couple innings, but he doesn't have a, a real big arsenal, doesn't, overpower you with his fastball. So getting through a lineup for the third time tomorrow is going to be really key for Styles. Well, for Styles, what they might do, and this is this is completely hypothetical, I have a feeling they might say to Taylor, you know, go out there and pitch as well as you can pitch, obviously. If that gets you through two times through the lineup, that's great. If it gets you through three times through the lineup, that's also great. But I feel like the way that they've used their bullpen this past weekend, the only guy that came out of the pen the entire series against Cal State Fullerton was Rob Galligan, who, as we know, can throw as many pitches as he wants whenever he wants. So with his bullpen well-rested, maybe maybe the coaching staff pieces together a game with Styles and Murphy or, or Selmer and, and does kind of a bullpen game a la the Tampa Bay Rays and, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the bullpen certainly well-rested and you know, a lot of guys that can go, but at the same time, the bullpen is, is the one piece of this team that, that's struggling currently. You look at the starting rotation, three guys, all three have ERAs under three. And then the aforementioned Galgan, his ERA right on three. And everyone else, four plus. And the the majority of this bullpen, well above that. And, you know, a lot of guys haven't gotten a tremendous number of opportunities so far this year, but we're, you know, about a third of the way through the season now. And you're not going to be able to have Taylor Bloom go nine innings every single time out or. Ryan Schaefer throw a shutout every single time out. You're going to need to find some guys, and hopefully the midweek is a time where guys in the bullpen can start to build their confidence. And we'll talk to the three of them about their dominance so far this season. The three of them collectively have an ERA of 2.63 and a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 70-21. to 21. That's, that's pretty good. And, of course, Brian Schaefer, with his complete game shutout on Sunday, earned co-Big Ten pitcher of the week honors. It's his first time earning that one, so kudos to Brian, and we'll have his reaction on that coming up. But yeah, the Terps, they'll have to figure out some stuff for the midweek games because they're the kind of games where when you look at the schedule at the end of the season and you're taking a look at your whole body of work for where you're going to go in the NCAA regional if you know you were to go to the postseason, they're the kind of games that if you win them, they don't show up on, on the radar. But if you lose them, they're a much bigger deal. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, you know, what's challenging about them is that you look at the turf schedule and you, you know, instinctively say, okay, well, they should be winning these midweek games, but a lot of their midweek opponents are actually really good. You look at VCU, who they're going to play back-to-back next week with the rescheduled game on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you look at Liberty, a very good program. You know, there aren't easy games. I mean, not to say that any game should be taken for granted, but it's not as much of a break from the weekend rotation as one might think. Absolutely. This Liberty team, they're 13-9 on the season. And even going back to some of the non-conference opponents the Terps have played, Bryant received votes in the coaches' poll. East Carolina is the only team that's currently ranked that Maryland played. They played a tough SEC team in Tennessee. 
down at the Keith LeClaire Classic. Delaware was much better than expected. George Washington exploded for 19 runs out of nowhere. And so this non-conference slate for the Terps, which appeared weak on paper to start the season, is actually turning out to be pretty strong. And as a matter of fact, the Terps' strength of schedule now through these 19 games is fourth in the country. Yeah, and I don't really think that was something that the coaching staff anticipated. Obviously, they want to schedule a solid non-conference schedule. And, you know, no, no disrespect, you know, to the Big Ten, but I remember, you know, talking about the transition with the coaching staff a year ago and, part of what they said is this is where the non-conference schedule really becomes key is, you know, when you don't have the same strength within your conference that perhaps the ACC presented, those other games get weighted more heavily. And, you know, it's it's time for the Terps to turn it on now in the midweek. And with that, we'll, we can shift and segue to the series against Cal State Fullerton. And let me tell you, Matt, these two teams played last year in College Park. It was one of the best series that we've seen at Chipley Field. And this was a tremendous series at Goodwin Field in Fullerton, California. The first game went to extra innings. The Terps unfortunately lost that one on a walk-off home run, but it was tight the whole way through. And then, of course, the back-to-back -back complete games from Taylor Bloom and Brian Schaefer. Bloom got the 8-4 to victory, and Schaefer you know, got the one nothing victory, keeping the team afloat through the entire game. It was really, really strong performance from the entire team. Yeah, I mean, we said it a couple weeks ago that we're spoiled by Mike Schwarren, and and now Shawarn with a sub three ERA is pitching the worst out of the three of them. It's it's pretty remarkable. You know, he goes six innings and, you know, gives his team a quality start and the other two show him up and go nine. Well it's funny, we were I was talking to Taylor Bloom and Brian Schaefer this weekend at the hotel and Bloom, you know, he's gone back to back complete games, which is unprecedented for him. He hadn't had more than seven innings pitched in a start to be since you know since before this season, he, he had that mark against Rhode Island. That was his, you know, career best. And after his start on Saturday, I talked to Brian Schaefer in the hotel, and I asked him, you know, if he was going to kind of try and one-up Taylor Bloom because the two of them have, you know, some sort of, not not a competition between the two of them, but they, they like to, you know, outdo one another, and it, it breeds, you know, good pitching. And Schaefer was like, oh, I don't know, I'll try, but, it, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to beat. I don't think I can do it. And then he went out there and did it. And quite frankly, Matt, he made it look easy on the mound. Yeah, and to do it against a ranked team and just, just breeze through their order. I mean, it's so impressive to have guys go nine innings back-to-back -back days. You know, we talked about, you know, talking with regard to Taylor Styles about how hard it is once you see a guy the third or fourth time through the order. Well, seemingly no problem this weekend. It's actually the first time that Fullerton has been shut out at home on a Sunday since April 14th, 2013. How about that? Not bad. That note, that, note, that note coming from Taylor Smythe. Shout out to the uh, Absolutely. SID for Turfs Baseball. And for Brian Schaefer, I mean, just, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about, you know, is he still rusty? You know, at what point do you start to question this weekend rotation? Well, you know, he quickly put all that talk to rest with his last couple outings. Well, our, our writer, Ben Harris, put together the stats for Schaefer in his first two starts and then in his last three, three starts. His first two starts, seven and third innings pitched. He had given up six runs, struck out three, walked four, and he's really turned it around these last three starts. That rust has started to shake off. Remember the entire offseason, he was dealing with those elbow issues. His last three starts, 21 and a third innings, 
four runs, three of them earned, 16 strikeouts, and one walk. He's been tremendous, a 1.26 ERA over his last three starts. And those walk numbers are so key for all three of them. Just limiting base runners, and, you know, a walk is, is almost like an error. And, you know, while it's not going to, you know, be forgiven the way an error is in terms of a guy's ERA, it, it's so much to work to be successful when you're, you're not giving up free passes. And to be able to go nine innings, so much of that is pounding the strike zone and, and not giving up those free passes. And I think I saw Schaefer was, what, like 70-plus strikes out of 99 pitches? I mean, the fact that he had 99 pitches in a complete game shutout is one thing in his own. You know, that's a Maddox right there. That's that's special stuff. But, yeah, all of these guys just pound the strike zone. Taylor Bloom is probably the most prolific of the three right now. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is 28-3. to three. Yeah, I mean, it, that's incredible. It, it really is. And, and Mike Schwarren, you know, he he's the team high in walks 13 through five starts. If you told me the, the worst weekend starter was going to give up 13 walks through five starts, I, I really would not have believed it. And it would be Mike Schwarren, who's been your ace the past, you know, year and a half or so? And again, no knock to Mike. I mean, he not only he's has... pitching; he's pitching fantastically. He's got an ERA under three. He's got two wins, just the one loss. His last start, he gave up two runs, but only one of them was earned. He's still pitching quality starts out there. It just so happens that Schaefer throws a complete game shutout, and Taylor Bloom goes the distance in two straight starts, and that's, you know, that's what shines through. Right. And now let's transition a little bit to the offense, Jake. And you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong because I admittedly did not catch much much of the baseball this weekend, but Nick Dunn continues to rake, and Marty Costas, a guy who, you know, showed what he was all about down at the Keith LeClaire Classic, I was I was a little bit weary that it was, you know, just a, a hot streak and that, you know, perhaps it, you know, he wasn't as able to hit the off-speed pitch the way he was able to hit the fastball, and perhaps it, it wasn't going to keep him in the lineup, but He's really come on strong, and now he's hitting almost 300 in addition to the power that he's shown. Well, let me tell you, this lineup, Matt, one through nine that I saw this weekend, can possibly be one of the most dangerous lineups in the country. Sure, on Friday, you know, they faced a really good starter in Blake Quinn. They were held to just one hit through five innings. They managed to get two runs across. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. But Saturday, the bats absolutely exploded, an 8-4 to four win. Kevin Smith in the leadoff spot went three for five and scored three runs, which is encouraging as you can possibly ask for from the guy who's been thrust into the leadoff position for the first time in his career. Kevin Biondic went three for five himself, a, a run scored and an RBI. He's been hitting hot as of late. Marty Costas, of course, went two for four. He had, you know, the two home runs. One of them was straightaway center field, and the other one cleared the scoreboard and left. One of the deepest home runs that I think I've ever seen. And, yeah, Nick Dunn continues to rake. He's got hits now in every single game except for two. His 13-game hitting streak was snapped on Sunday. Still managed to reach base, though. He was hit by a pitch, so his reach base streak is alive, and he's gotten on base in every single game in his Terrapin career. That's every game this season. He's a freshman. So this lineup, from the top down, really impressive, and that's not even mentioning guys like Nickens, who leads the team in five home runs, Anthony Papio, who you know, found his hot bat out in California, had a game where he went two for four and one for three, and, you know, is starting to find his groove. Yeah, I mean, for a team that you look at top to bottom in terms of the lineup, and they return 
Nick Fieri, Kevin Smith, and Anthony Papio. And that's it. I guess Kevin Bionic played a little bit at the end of the year. Andrew Bessel played a little bit at the beginning of last year. But top to bottom to return just a third of your lineup and have the success at the plate that Maryland's having, they went from hitting 240 prior to their series down in East Carolina to right now hitting 273 as a team. I mean, look, Matt, I just I just went through half the lineup without even mentioning Nick Sierra, who's their cleanup hitter and one of the best pure hitters on the team, and that should tell you something. You know, this team, in the starting nine, features three or four guys that are hitting over 300, and there are four guys that have an on-base percentage of over 400. So these guys are not only hitting the ball hard, they're getting on base, they're producing runs. The team's now scored 101 runs through 19 games. That's that's pretty good right there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you lose eight guys to the draft, you know that young guys are going to have to step up. We mentioned it with the pitching. A couple of sophomores leading the way and overshadowing the veteran perhaps of late. And same thing with the lineup. You, you have the young guys coming on strong and perhaps overshadowing the the veterans, and perhaps that's just because of how they're doing relative to expectations, but it's certainly nice to see the young guys stepping up and embracing their roles on this team, and you know, hopefully that the same can soon be said for the midweek starters. Absolutely. When you have an offense that scores over five runs per game and a weekend rotation that collectively is an ERA under three, you put yourself in a great position to win on the weekends, but it's the midweek where the Terps are going to have to make up the slack. That's why they're below 500 right now. And a win against Liberty tomorrow would go a long way. And, you know, a three-game winning streak going to conference play, that's a huge boost of confidence to this Maryland team that's, you know, a bit on the young side. It's, it certainly is. And I, I think they're, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge to, to start a conference play on the road. But then again, they've played some valuable road series already this year, and I think it's prepared them well to go down to Alabama to play in that Keith LeClaire Classic, to play on the West Coast against a ranked team. I think they're certainly ready for Iowa next weekend. I don't think they'll be daunted against the Hawkeyes whatsoever. I think they know what to expect from them. And they'll go into that, you know, ready to start off on the right foot in the Big Ten. One thing that was really encouraging to see, especially on Sunday, the Terps were managed to snap their streak of games with errors. They had had nine straight games with an error, ten. They're, they're, they, had, they had zero errors against Southeastern Louisiana. And since that point... They had at least one error in every single game leading up to Sunday. And there were zeros all over the scoreboard for Brian Schaefer. But the one that was probably most important was the one that was in the errors column. The Terps were fantastic defensively. Justin Morris threw out a couple runners, including the one to end the game. And that's something we haven't really touched on, the catcher's defense. There was a play at the plate that was fantastic. Nick Dunn turned a great, crucial double play at second base, one that Chef didn't even think he was going to turn. He thought he was going to go to first base after that. He said that after the game. So he was impressed by the freshman's defense. No errors. And now, you know, they start to find their gloves and do things a little bit cleaner on the defensive end. Yeah, 25 errors through, through what is it now, uh, 20 games, 19 games. That's that's a little on the high side. You, you want to be a, a little under an error per game, I think is, is fair to say. But, you know, I think that's something where, it comes and goes. You'll have a bad break here or there, but I think overall this team is is just fine defensively. They'll figure it out. They have enough talented defensive players who who are you know reliable and stellar that you know perhaps it was a little high at the beginning of the season, but I think by the time you know the middle of the season rolls around, that that average will come back down. And you know when your when your pitchers are throwing strikes and the defense is is in the game, they're they're more likely to make those plays. 
So the Terps go 2-2 two and two on the West Coast road trip. They now have won two straight games heading into the midweek against Liberty and hope to take three straight into conference play. When we come back on the Maryland Baseball Podcast, we'll hear from the trio of right-handers for the Terps, the starting rotation, Mike Shawarin, Taylor Bloom, and Brian Schaefer. Stick with us. Hi, Terps fans. This is play-by-play broadcaster Jake Eisenberg. Here at the Maryland Baseball Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best and most dedicated coverage of your Terps baseball team. But in order to do so, we need your help. As we enter our second season, we're looking to raise money to continue to bring you the same high-quality broadcast and coverage for as many games as possible. Every dollar raised will go directly into Maryland Baseball Network funds and go toward equipment needs, website fees, and, most importantly, travel funds to allow us to bring you all of the Terps games home and away. To donate, head to GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. That's GoFundMe.com slash MDBaseballNet. No amount is too big or too small, and as always, we thank you for and appreciate your support. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Joined now by the weekend rotation for the Terps, Mike Shawarin, Taylor Bloom, and Brian Schaefer on the phone for the 12th episode now of this podcast. Guys, how you doing this afternoon? Not too bad. Doing good, man. So we're on, we're on, a, we're on a bit of a wonky setup right now because you can't have three phone calls merge at the same time and I'm I'm currently in my apartment. I don't know where you guys are, but I imagine you're spread kind of all the way around campus. Yeah. Yeah. Where where are you guys? We'll go Mike then around to, to Brian, just like the rotation. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in my dorm room or my room right now. Taylor I'm we're... also just hanging in my apartment right now. Yeah. I'm in the lo- I'm in the locker room. Oh, so so one of you, so one of you is at the team house. That's good. All right. Well, we'll we'll get right into it now from four different locations. This is a, a very special edition of the podcast. Getting all three of you guys on here at the same time after what I think is one of the best all-around performances from the three of you this season, this past weekend against Cal State Fullerton. You know, Mike, you went six innings, and it was it was a tough you know three-two loss in extra innings. And then Taylor and Brian, you guys both through complete games, and then, of course, Brian, the complete game shutout. So, for the three of you, you know, collectively, what did you think of, of this weekend and your performances? Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was good to kind of just, um, you know, it was a tough game on Friday, but just kind of right the ship a little bit. Um, you know, it, it was a tough game, and we lost that game, but I thought we made some pretty good strides and um, getting to where we wanted to be, and then you know, Taylor and Brian just kind of rolling off his two great outings um, just to kind of continue it um, and, and hopefully build this thing even more. So it was a pretty good week out in California. I was happy to come along with you guys to Irvine and Fullerton. Went to Huntington Beach. That was a good time. Played some volleyball. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good week. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Back to the, back to the baseball side of things. First off, I think congratulations are in order for for you, Brian. About maybe 30 minutes ago, named Big Ten Co-Pitcher of the Week. That on the heels of your first ever complete game and a complete game shutout at that. What does it mean to you to receive that kind of recognition? Well, um, it's pretty cool. After after seeing Mike win it so many times, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting uh 
you know, having it happen to me, I never really thought it would, to be honest. So. Now, me personally, I'm not the biggest proponent of the big of the the co honors of the week. You this week paired with Caleb Barriger from Indiana, and he he had a nice start. He went eight innings, gave up one hit. He took a perfect game into the seventh and struck out eleven. But I mean, for me personally, when you compare that with a complete game shutout against Cal State Fullerton on a Sunday afternoon to win a series in a one to nothing ball game, I don't know. I kind of lean towards you, Brian. What do you think? Um, it, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. I um, obviously you you throw in a perfect seven and and uh, continuing into the eighth uh, is really good. But I mean, I'm not it's not anything. I'm gonna lose sleep over it. It's not not really a big deal to me. So Taylor, when's when's your Big Ten honor coming? You've got back to back complete <laughs> games. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought I was gonna get it this week, but. Uh, when I when I talked when I talked to Brian no, I'm, on I'm, Friday I'm, night, I'm, I'm not I'm not knocking on him, but uh, no, I mean that was an unbelievable performance by Brian yesterday, um, especially to uh, come out after my outing and just just shove it up the butt the next day. Um, just really, just kind of uh, it's really been like a probably our most complete weekend. I thought obviously the the tough. Tough loss on Friday uh, with the walk-off home run. But um, that's not the knock on Mike's performance at all. I mean, I thought he pitched really well. And then, obviously, Gallagher came in and uh, shut the door. Um, just got one pitch away from him. And then uh, he going nine and Shade's going nine. Um, that was probably the most complete weekend we've had so far. And certainly, certainly one you guys needed. You know, going into that weekend, you'd lost five of the last seven. Things were sliding a little bit. The defense had some pretty clear holes in it, but, you know, the Sunday game, zero errors, that one a big one. It's the first time in the last, I think, nine or ten games that there wasn't an error on the board for you guys. But one thing that was interesting to me, or that I found pretty funny, after your start, Taylor, I talked to Brian uh, back at the hotel, you know, before Sunday started, wanted to catch him then, and I asked him, you know, about your start, and if he was going to try and one-up you, and he told me that it was going to be hard to do, and he didn't think he'd be able to do it. Uh, no, I'm very glad he did. I mean, we were joking after the game because, you know, like they were talking about Cal State Fullerton three relievers being like the three-headed dog in Hades. They're just like un- uh, like unstoppable. And I was joking with Shades after the game, like we're like the two-headed something because, I mean, we just – I mean, we shut them down. I mean, uh, I thought it was just really two good performances back-to-back, especially after the loss on Friday. I mean, you guys, you guys were strong all weekend against a rotation in Fullerton that, you know, going in, they had the fifth-best ERA in, in the country as a staff. But the three of you, I, I, did some, I did some number crunching myself, and the three of you have taken out the rest of the pitching staff in the bullpen. You guys have a collective 96 innings pitched, an ERA of 2.63, and you guys have a walkout, a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 70-21, to 21, so three times as many strikeouts as walks. That's... That's pretty good, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's big time. Um, especially when you're able to get, you know, three quality starts um, on weekends, you know, no matter who's opponent, and um, to not give away many free bases like that, you know, as seen in the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, it's really important to, you know, 
like I said, it's, it's really important to have three quality starts um, on the weekend. And, and if we're able to continue to do that, you know, like we have been um, for the rest of the year, it's going to be a fun year. Um, you know, the, the lineup's coming around and they've done a great job and um, the defense is going to only get better. So um, it's going to be a, it's going to be pretty fun in the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, the, the conference season starts to roll around too. So. Yeah, starting in starting in Iowa next week, and I unfortunately won't be making the trip out there with you guys, but I'm sure you'll have fun, you know, in the cornfields and and whatnot. What do you expect entering conference play now, your second season in the Big Ten? I know for you, Brian and Taylor, you guys don't know anything else, but Mike, you've experienced the ACC. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a tough league again, just like it was last year. Um, you know, I I, I was happily surprised at the talent that the Big Ten has. You know, I didn't really know much going into um, last year coming from the ACC what the Big Ten will be like. And, um, you know, there's some really good teams. And, you know, I think um, think for us as a team, we're looking forward to just kind of getting back out there um, and playing good competition. Um, you know, and, and, and just, you know, going through the season. Um, you know, last season uh, was good, but this season, you know, it's a little bit different, a little bit different feel with different guys, but, um, you know, I, I think we have a, just as good of a chance as we did last season. So kind of a start of a turnaround using these last two games as a springboard? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, <laughs> to have, you know, two weekend guys go complete games, let alone back-to-back days, uh, is, is pretty special. And, um, you know, it just kind of shows, you know, for, for a starting pitcher just to show that, you know, we're, we're not going to roll over. We're coming out to, you know, attack guys and, you know, throw nine innings every time we get the ball. Um, you know, <laughs> fortunate for, you know, Taylor and Brian, they throw nine innings. I've never thrown a complete game, so they have something on me. But, um, you know, to be able to go out there and throw nine innings or whatever we are, but just be able to keep the team in the game is, is the most important. And, uh, you know, like what we did this weekend, but, you know, with Taylor and Brian, it just kind of completely shut them down. It was, uh, it was, it was really fun to watch in the dugout. It's a, it's a cool little parallel. You know, last year when you faced Fullerton, Mike, you had that tremendous start of the eight shutout innings and the 13 strikeouts, and you were Big Ten Pitcher of the Week for that week. And now, you know, it's, it's Brian, a, another sophomore right-hander, that, that gets yeah. the honor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great seeing those guys have a success like they have this season. Um, you know, I, I knew it was going to happen because we've, you know, they, they've shown that they're good enough. Um, you know, they have the talent and, you know, to have those guys, you know, kind of have my back and, you know, in the Saturday and Sunday games, it's, it's pretty fun to just kind of be in the dugout and just watch them go out and do them um, and, and dominate. Um, and then I think, you know, us three combined are, you know, pretty special on the weekends too. All three of you now have ERAs below three. Brian, that nine inning and no run start knocked it down all the way from 4.12 to 2.83. So so good job to you there getting that, that ERA down. And you guys, you know, you really give the offense a chance to do some work behind you and give you guys some run support. Yeah, I mean, um, from my perspective is, you know, if we're able to keep the team in the game, it's, 
you know, that's that's our job, and, and to give them a good position to win, that's that's our job. So, Brian, you only needed one run on Sunday. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the so many uh, so many times that the offense has our back. Um, you know, more than than we would. Uh, you know, hope for to um like it was, it's it's good to finally like as a pitching staff uh come together and like you know um have the the offense back for once um not putting so much stress on them when when they're at the plate I want to throw a, a couple more notes out about your start on Sunday these coming from Taylor Smythe and I know if he listens he'll appreciate the shout out but your complete game, it's the first complete game in under 100 pitches since Jake Stinnett's no-hitter back in 2014. You guys now both have a Maddox under your belts, as they call it. Another, another cool note, it's the first time Fullerton was shut out at home on a Sunday since April of 2013. Really? Yeah. When we were talking to Coach Shep after the game... He was talking about how he didn't think that Fullerton had ever been shut out in a in a rubber game on Sunday, and I guess he was right. It's been it's been almost three years. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I don't really have much to say. It was just um, went out went out there with a plan and and executed. That's basically all there is uh, to say. Taylor, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn now to you. You threw the most pitches this weekend in your complete game, 127. That's by far a career high. Were you surprised that you were left in for the 8th or ninth? Um, No, not really. I mean, they had a couple cheap hits. I mean, there was an error, so I was and then like a blue pit. Um, so they weren't hitting balls. It's not like they were hitting balls hard off me, uh, making good contacts. But um, no, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, the Bulldog gave me one of the stay in the game and finish it off for my like first ever complete or complete game win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, and the plus, I mean, Coach Jeff talked to me the, uh, the day after and was like, yeah, I mean, they had a bunch of lefties coming up, and obviously uh, a good change-up will uh, probably set those guys down. So they just uh, decided to stick with, stick with it. And, I mean, it's not like a, there was like a health concern or anything from my arm. My arm felt 100% um, even afterwards, so. No, I wasn't really surprised with the decision at all. Well, it was certainly fun to watch from, from up in the press box. And, you know, I was certainly very excited when you finished off your game and Brian finished off his. And, you know, the three of you just tremendous starts throughout the entire weekend. So moving away from some baseball stuff a little bit, I know that pitchers have their superstitions and they have their routines. And I want to know, like, of the three of you, who is the most... I don't want to say stubborn, but the most, I guess, uh, compulsive about their routine and what they do on game day. Uh, Any one of you can take this. What do you guys do? I mean, Um, I'm pretty, uh, like, I'm pretty, you know, I like to stick to a routine. Um, Just kind of get in the zone about an hour before I stretch, which is an hour before game time, um, just kind of block all things out and just 
me what I need to do um, in the game. And um, I don't know. It's not like anything crazy, but I don't know. What, what, what do you What do you guys do? Um, I mean, I'd say the same thing pretty much. I like, I mean, I like sticking to a routine, but, uh, I mean, there's nothing too crazy, you know, real big superstitions. I mean, like, before my start, I'll usually throw my beats on, listen to some music. I mean, no really specific genre or anything, just kind of getting the zone. Um, trying to get my mind right for battle I'm about to go into, but, uh, nothing real fancy, nothing real specific. Brian, anything uh, from you? Or I, uh, is it kind of run of the mill. I might, uh, I might take the cake for this one. Um, I, I kind of figured out that every time I listen to music before a game, I don't do very well, and then, uh, so I eliminate the the headphones completely. Um, and then uh, during the game, when I'm when I'm pitching, whatever I do, if I have a good first inning, I'll whatever I do when I come in the dugout, I'll continue and do the same exact thing every single every single inning until I'm taking out. So what were you uh, so what were you doing on Sunday? Let's see, Sunday it's, it's always something different. See, Sunday I'd come in and yeah, put my uh sweatshirt on my shoulder, I'd go over and get a drink of water and I'd uh I'd, <laughs> I'd just stand there, stand up and watch. I wouldn't sit down, but I'd stand up and watch the game and then about Halfway through that, I'd go get another drink of water. Um, <laughs> and then uh, after two outs, I'd pick up my weighted ball and start, start messing around with it. So you didn't you didn't sit down for the entire game on Sunday? No, not really. It's kind of a, a superstitious kind of thing. But the other two of you, Mike Taylor, you guys don't, you know, hop over the line or, you know, uh, anything well, yeah, like that? I, I think... You know, you can't touch the line, you know, the foul line. That's that's kind of like bad baseball right there. But um, yeah, in between innings, yeah, yeah. Um, in between innings, like Schaefer said, like if something works, I'll, I'll continue to do that throughout the game. Um, but usually, I like to kind of sit closer to towards the um, entrance of the dugout, and uh, I always. I usually grab a drink of water right when I get in um, and keep that cup with me throughout the you know throughout the game and just kind of keep stacking them through each inning I go. Um, and I, I like to kind of have them in that area where I sit, um, and I always have my like glove and hat a certain way, um, which will change game to game. But um, if it works, like in one inning, I'll I'll, I'll keep it going. Um, so yeah, I guess I do have some superstitions. Do you guys ever work with each other on your pitches? Like Taylor, do you ever, you know, talk to Brian and Mike about your changeup? Mike, do you show them the slider? Like Brian, do you show them, you know, the stuff in your repertoire? Is there like a commingling between you guys, or is you guys kind of do your own thing? Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I've, I've been trying to work on a good slider now for a while. So I mean, whenever like Mike or Shaper. Or throwing a bullpen, I'll usually like sit behind them and see how they throw it, see how they're holding it, because um, those two guys have really good sliders. So just trying to learn off of them. And I mean, like, Shapers asked me like how I throw my changeup, and I just try and explain as best as I can, just to get some feedback um, on how. I mean, so we can become like a more sound group, I guess you could say, because 
each one was lax on the third and fifth. So I guess we're just trying to help each other out. I mean, at this point, the three of you are kind of like a three-headed monster in the weekend rotation. And I think, you know, teams coming in there, they're not necessarily just focused on beating Mike on Friday. They're looking ahead to figure out how to take you down, Taylor, on Saturday and then Brian on Sunday. It's That's a fearsome trio right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's always great to have, you know, I think teams are, you know, good teams have at least one guy on the weekend, and to have three like us, it's um, it's pretty fun um, to know that every time you, you run a guy out there, you're going to have a good chance to win. Um, and, and you know, with the Bulldogs of, you know, Schaefer and, and Bloom, um, you know, it's fun to watch, you know, on Saturday and Sunday for me. Um, just kind of seeing how they, you know, master the game and, and you know, get guys out and stuff. Um, you know, and, and like I said, yeah, it's nice to have three, you know, three good arms going out there on the weekend, giving your team a good chance to win. All right, I want to I want to try something here with the three of you guys. I want to do a series of maybe four or five like rapid fire questions. We're gonna go down the line. We'll start with Mike, then go to Taylor, then go to Brian. I'm looking for one-word answers here on these. I'm gonna put you guys. I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. We'll see what we come up with. All right, Brian. You don't have to be nervous. It's gonna be okay. Don't worry, Jake. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. First off, favorite place to eat in College Park? Uh, come back to me, Kyle. You can go. Uh, I'd probably definitely say Chipotle. I gotta go with Chipotle as well. <laughs> I uh, I like Nando's. That's kind of my new favorite. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's like a that's like a classier version of Chipotle. Although I guess it's just chicken. In any case, off to <laughs> off to a decent start. Favorite favorite TV show? What are you guys binge watching right now? Uh, The Office. Hey, me too. I'm in the middle of like season seven. Yeah, I, uh, um, I just for started. Me, I just started. Go ahead, Mike. Oh no, I was just gonna say I just started the. the uh, okay. Um, watch it a For me, I probably have to say. Uh, I mean, I'm also watching The Office right now too. But my number one show is definitely The Walking Dead. Classic response for you. You like watching the. I figured Duck Dynasty maybe for you. It used to be one. Some kind I of. My I know you're. I know you're Dynasty. a big hunter. She's a big Nat Geo. Uh, Nat Geo fan. There you go. I mean, in response to the office, Taylor. Taylor was getting frustrated this weekend because I want. I think I watched like twelve episodes of The Office on this trip, and I just kind of zoned in, and that's that's all I would do for like four or five hours. It was pretty great, I'll be honest. It's a, it's such a funny show. It really is. Awesome. It really is. It's a good one. It's a good one. So those are those are good choices. All right. If you could describe Coach Chef in one word, what would it be? Uh, consistent. 
Is yours going to rhyme? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm going to say... Only one that I can think of that rhymes is uh, Magnificent. (laughs) He is Magnificent, but... uh, (laughs) I'm going to say... What'd you say? Tough. There you go. Okay, I, that's an accurate descriptor. All right, we're gonna we're gonna try that one once again, but instead, I want you to you know describe one of the three of you. So, Mike, one word to describe Taylor. Taylor, one word to describe Brian. Brian, one word to describe Mike. Can we do that? Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, Taylor. One word to describe Taylor. Um, probably like fun. He's a fun guy to. Oh, that's hang nice. Out and with and that's that's really nice, uh, Mike. Us, so. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Taylor. All right, Taylor. Now, now, one word for Brian. Um. Probably say goofy. So we've got fun. Is it a physical? A is it a fi- is it a physical resemblance to the? No, no, no. Like a physical, <laughs> just like just personality. I, I mean, was like, I was kidding. I mean, like me and Brian live together, so like we're always just doing like goofy stuff, like just making each other laugh and stuff. That's really nice too. You guys, you guys are real close as a team. Brian, what do you got for Mike? I'm saying funky. Funky. <laughs> All right, yeah. the unicorn is funky. Yeah, I was mean, you describe the unicorn. I mean, he's <laughs> so so. Mike, so Mike's the unicorn. Do you guys, Taylor and Brian, do you guys have like your own kind of nickname yet? I know, like you guys call Sierra Cheese because he really likes cheese. I've picked up on well, that actually, one. It's actually not because he likes cheese. It's because it's like it all started. He like um, like double cheeseburgers. So, like, everyone oh. called him Doug Cheese, and then it just shortened to cheese, and everyone just called him Cheese. When we when we had Beyondic on the podcast, he was telling me all about his cousin Mike nickname, which makes no sense to anybody. <laughs> and he told me about Cheese, and he wasn't sure what the reason was. He said it was probably because he liked Cheese, so I just went with that. Yeah. yeah. But, Taylor, Brian, you guys have any nicknames yet? Still working on it? Um, no, I mean, I don't really have one. I mean, do you guys usually just call me? Do you guys usually just call me Bloom? <laughs> I don't really have anything special like Dean Moore or anything, unless I, unless I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you guys, you, you guys are gonna have to tell me because I'm, I'm not sure if I got a nickname or not. <laughs> no, I, I don't think either of you guys got anything right now. But I guess we could come up with something. But. We can we can work on that as the season goes along. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, but Mike, what do you actually what are, what are your like actual thoughts on the nickname of the unicorn? Um, I don't know. It's it's, it's something that you know people like to call me or whatever. But um, I don't know, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. I don't mind it. 
Um, you know, it's it's whatever. I kind of yeah. I mean, for those for those that are listening that that don't know the origin of the unicorn, Mike, why don't you why don't you share it? Um. So basically, the the origin of the unicorn happened when um, I committed really late in my senior year, um, and it was just kind of back and forth a few times um, with when I was going to commit and when I wasn't. Um, so you know, coaching staff had always heard like good things about me, and you know, they didn't know if I was real or not. So they said like I was a, a like a unicorn, like. I don't know, but um, yeah. So it, it it started as that, and then it just kind of progressed, and you know, kept getting bigger and bigger. So you know, now we're here today. <laughs> I mean, it works. It works well for social media because there's that unicorn emoji that yeah that Taylor and, yeah. and Swope like to use a lot. So that works out well. <laughs> Brian and Taylor, we got to yeah. get you guys some kind of mythical creature, like a like a dragon or a phoenix or something. I don't know. There you go. Whatever works. We'll go with Centaur for now. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. The last, the last, the last rapid fire question for you guys. And it's it's one that we asked we asked a couple of the other guys, and it's not so much a rapid fire, just a general explanation, you know about why you guys chose to come to Maryland. You know, what what um, drew you to College Park? I just, I like the coaching staff and their philosophy and, um, you know, their mentality of blue-collar guys that, you know, are tough and will get the job done and be consistent from, you know, day to day. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, they're great coaches and um, you know, I think they put us in a great, position to win games and you know also get to the next level um and take our game to the next level too taylor um i'd have to thank off mike and say yeah i mean the coaches i mean are great guys uh great personalities good to be around good to have uh have them as like your mentors watching over you um i mean i like being close to home too i mean college park's only about 45 minutes away from my house so, I mean, uh, my parents are close. And um, I'll probably say one more thing would probably be, I mean, uh, like Brian Summer, we played high school ball together for like three years. And uh, me and him were just really close. So, I mean, um, being with him for another three or four is, was probably uh, also went into the consideration um, coming here because, I mean, we're just really good friends. Has he ever taught you his close-up magic? Yeah, I mean, I know all of his tricks. Because at the at the uh, airport at the airport yeah, last night, he was he was putting off some like pretty fancy tricks there. It had it had me fooled. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen those tricks so many times throughout the years from high school to now. I mean, I know how I know how he does everything. Coach yeah, Shep was mean, joking like that he was going to have him come to his son's birthday party. <laughs> I think that'd be a good good uh, opportunity. Yeah, we'll have him. We'll have him on the podcast in a few weeks or so. And Matt and I were thinking we might do some play-by-play of his magic and see how that works. <laughs> I don't know. It could fail miserably. Anyway, Brian, why why did you come to Maryland? Um, well, ever 
honestly, ever since I was uh, yeah, younger playing baseball, I've always wanted to come here. I know, like, no specific reason. I just always wanted to go to Maryland. Um, and basically the, the, the first time I talked to the coaches and as soon as they offered, I jumped on it. I, um, it, it's close to home. It's fairly close to home. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just had a, uh, mindset. I wanted to go here and nowhere else. So like I said, as soon as they offered, I jumped on it and what, um, when I met all the coaches, you know, Bellinger, uh, took me around. He, um, and I really liked him. And then when I met Coach Shep, it was like, like steal the deal. I thought, I thought he was great. Well, all three of those really good reasons. We'll, we'll wrap up our little discussion now as we approach, you know, the midday. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty exhausted from our red-eye flight. And I'm sure, uh, like me, you guys have a lot of work to get to before tomorrow's game against Liberty. So thanks for thanks for stopping by the podcast. Really nice to have all three of you at the same time, regardless of this weird phone setup, mic setup we got going on here. Mike, Taylor, Brian, appreciate the time. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Wondering when our next broadcast is? Check out our broadcast schedule, available at MarylandBaseballNetwork.com, complete with links to each game's broadcast, including which broadcast will be televised on BTN+. Welcome back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. That was the Terps right-handers, Mike Schwarren, Taylor Bloom, and Brian Shaver. We thank them for joining us on this 12th edition of the podcast. We've taken a look at the weekend that was, the series win against Cal State Fullerton, and now we'll kind of switch gears and look at what's ahead. Liberty on Tuesday, and then the opening slate in conference play against Iowa Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That series taking place in the Hawkeyes' domain. Yeah, in Iowa this season, they haven't really played a, a whole lot of tough teams. They were swept by Dallas Baptist early in the year. That That's a you know upper echelon opponent, but the rest of their schedule, not all that tough, and they boast just a 6-11 and record. Uh, they're Rotation has struggled this year. Some high ERAs uh, for the starters, and the guy pitching well, C.J. Eldred, his first year with them, he actually transferred from Indiana, sat out last year. Uh, he is a, a 2.43 ERA, but the rest of their team, a bit of a down year from last year when they surprised a lot of folks in the Big Ten. Well, they took two out of three from Maryland in College Park, and looking at that 2016 schedule from Iowa, they're 6-11 and on the season. You mentioned they were swept by Dallas Baptist. They were also swept by Missouri State, and they've been playing really well. But one thing that stands out to you when you look at their schedule, they have this one win over Northwestern College. 28 to nothing. that win. That's the second most runs they've scored in a game in program history. Their bats just absolutely explode on that one. Obviously, it's an anomaly, but still, 28 nothing. That's something. There's something to be said about that. Yeah, Jake, is there a mercy rule in college? Because that game only went seven innings. I guess there must be. They must. They must have called it after seven. Well, I think that goes to show the the lack of competition they've they've played so far this year. Indiana State, Chicago State, some some teams that don't really have the the recognition that a lot of Maryland's uh, early season opponents may have. But at the same time, you can't overlook a conference opponent to start off uh, your Big Ten slate on the road, especially one that took two out of three from you. 
the year before in College Park. And you mentioned, you know, only, you know, two of the three pitchers are back for Iowa. So the Terps are familiar with them, but they'll face a new arm as well. And, of course, there's the new lineup. We mentioned how they've been really strong going forward. But before we, you know, talk more about Iowa, let's switch gears and talk about Liberty just, just a little bit. They're 13-9 in the season, the Flames. And this is a midweek series that the Terps play every year with them. Taylor Styles will be on the mound for the Terps. And we mentioned that the Terps have struggled in the midweek games. They haven't won one yet this season. Yeah, Jake, I think it's got to be the offense that leads the charge tomorrow. We talked about the struggles of the starting pitching in the midweek. And, you know, if Taylor Styles can get a couple of runs for him to work with early on, that's got to boost his confidence. And we talked about the possibility of going with more of a committee look tomorrow with a a very well-rested bullpen, so it's got to be a possibility. But if the offense can really get heated up early and get some runs and the defense can be can be stellar, then it'll help him you know, maneuver this order and, and help the Terps to their hopefully first midweek win. See, I, I disagree with you there a little bit. Yes, I agree that the offense has to lead the way, but they have led the way in the midweek games. Against Delaware, they scored seven runs. Against Delaware, again, that one at Hartford Community College, they scored 8. George Washington, they scored 10. UC Irvine, they scored 5. So they've put up the runs, but it's in the pitching in the midweek that's let down the Terps. Sure, you have a couple freshman arms getting their first you know, starts at the collegiate level, John Murphy and Cameron Ank, and the two of them not starting off the way they would have liked, and now Taylor Styles getting his midweek opportunity. I think that's who you're going to see going forward more often than not. But I think that... You know, the bats have been there for the Terps, and we've, you know, talked about the offense and how it's been stellar. The defense has been shaky. We mentioned they didn't have any runs on Sunday, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come. But I think the pitching will dictate how the Terps do against a Liberty team that, you know, split a home-and-away series with Maryland last year. The Terps won in Lynchburg, and then the Flames came to College Park and took the final regular season game at home 7-6. to six. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that... that Pitching isn't important. It obviously is when when that's been your Achilles heel so far in the midweek. All I'm saying is that if they can get some runs on the board early and they're not chasing from behind, I, I think that that's also part of the recipe when you haven't been able to, to go deep into ball games with your uh, midweek starters. Right. So if they so if Maryland can you know put the pedal to the metal in the first inning and then keep the foot on the gas all the way through, it alleviates a lot of the pressure on the pitchers, is what you're saying. Right, and I think it's a game where, where you anticipate using your bullpen a little bit more, especially because they are so well-rested. But if it can be your bullpen against another team's bullpen early in the game, you know, I, I think I like Maryland's chances. You know, especially if they go with the committee approach. And you have guys who you know, really could be midweek starters in you know, Taylor Stiles and Ryan Selmer and even you know, Murphy and Ank, who were shaking in their opportunities, but they're freshmen, and they'll you know, figure it out as they go along. So I would, I would not be surprised to see... Uh, a committee approach tomorrow. All right. Well, you'll be on the call tomorrow from uh, from Liberty, so uh, you'll you'll bring us all the action as usual on Maryland Baseball Network. And you and I, while we're not going to Iowa this weekend, we are taking a fun trip, and we're going down to uh, Kentucky and calling Maryland basketball uh, as the Terps take Louisville and try to take down the number one seed in Kansas. Yeah, I got to be honest, Matt. After this. West Coast road trip, the entire team, and myself included, very happy about the fact that tomorrow's game is at home in College Park. There isn't any travel to Virginia. And then, of course, they have, you know, the flight out to Iowa this weekend. But we're taking, you know, a road trip of our own. It's a nine-hour drive out to Louisville, and it should be, should be a fun one in the car with the two of us. Yeah, absolutely. 
maybe maybe we'll uh we'll call a game or two as we go along. That'll pass the time. <laughs> as, as long as it keeps us awake. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And and stay awake. We will as we meet the Terps basketball team for their Sweet 16 matchup with Kansas. So that'll do it for the 12th episode here of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. The Terps, winners of two straight, taking a 9-10 and record against Liberty tomorrow afternoon. That'll get underway at 6 p.m., and I'll be on the call from College Park. And then, Matt, as you mentioned, the opening slate of conference play this weekend against Iowa. We won't be out there, but we'll still have all the coverage on our Twitter account. You can follow us at MDBaseballNet and game recaps and much more on our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Thanks again to Mike Jawarin, Taylor Bloom, and Brian Schaefer for joining us on this edition. And until next time, thanks for listening.